This is episode number 351 with Associate Data Scientist Stratos Hagiano. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, everybody. Super pumped to have you on the show. Question, have you heard Rico Meinl's episode? So most recently, Rico was on the episode on the podcast in episode 335. And before that, he was on episode 123, 123 in January 2018. So today we have a guest, Stratos, who underwent a really cool transformative journey. So he actually heard Rico's episode, um, one, two, three, so the first originally Rico's appearance, and heard Rico's story of how Rico got on a plane in 2017 and flew to Germany to attend Data Science Go, our conference there, and how that changed his life and who Rico became after that. And after listening to that episode, Stratos did the same thing. He was He's in the UK. He got on a plane from the UK, flew all the way to San Diego to attend Data Science Go, and that also transformed his life. And now, after pursuing the goal of getting a job in data science and listening to the podcast, attending Data Science Go, doing courses, he'll explain exactly the courses he, he's doing, he finally got a job in data science. So congratulations to Stratos for persevering, for following his dream. And now he's an associate data scientist at the National Grid in Warwick, United Kingdom. How cool is that? Very exciting. In this podcast, you'll learn about how and why he combined online courses and which ones specifically. Uh, we'll talk about how he, to create a data science ex ecosystem for yourself and put yourself in that ecosystem to continue growing and thriving, even if you're not currently doing data science, but you really want to be. Uh, we'll talk about short, mid, and long-term goals and how to set those for yourself. And we'll talk about the triad of successful job applications in data science, something that has worked for Stratos and surely can work for absolutely anybody applying for data science. Three things to look out for. And as well, you'll get some interview tips from Stratos. Very exciting episode, very pumped. And on that note, let's jump into our amazing episode. And without further ado, I bring to you Associate Data Scientist Stratos Hagiano. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast. Everybody, super excited to have you on the show. Today's guest is calling in from the UK. Stratos, how are you going today? Amazing, Carol. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, it's raining today in Australia. How's Is it sunny in the UK? No, no, it's never sunny in the UK. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, um, I don't know because let me just look outside. The sun is just coming up, but I think it would just be a cold one, but no rain. Yeah, we got a big time difference, right? It's like, what, four, almost 5 p.m. for me, and it's like 7 a.m. for you, right? Yeah, just turning to 7, yeah. That's crazy. All right, so are you, are you like, uh, 
Today, what day is it today? Is it Monday, right? Monday, Monday. Yes. Are you like heading off to work after this? No, I'm working from home today. I already told um, uh, my manager that I have a podcast in the morning. So, <laughs> hmm. um, but yeah, usually that's the kind of time I'll go to work. I tend to work early and finish early. So, hmm. yeah. Nice. It's really cool that your job is flexible with uh, you being able to work from home. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I appreciate that for my company, but I think it's a very common thing in the UK. And I think it's something that we have in the UK that from my friends in other places in the world, I don't see it being that common. But in the UK, mm -hmm. they are very flexible with, with ours and understanding. So, yeah, I appreciate that for the country. Okay, very cool, very cool. Um, well, you have a very nice and exciting job as a data scientist congratulations that's so exciting my friend thank well you done. so much thank you so much uh and that then, is uh, awesome yeah as, as i said before the podcast is uh, a huge part of it is from yours it's almost like i should congratulate you as well uh <laughs> so yeah that's fantastic because i love how uh how this all unraveled like so you contacted me on linkedin what was this like in in uh, like a year ago, in January 2019, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You just contacted me to say like you're excited, you've been learning a lot, you've got some uh, data science opportunities coming up. And then uh, in April or somewhere around April, you finally got your first data science job uh, or you like, I think you started in July. It looks like you started in July mm -hmm. uh, with that job. So that was really cool. And you just messaged to say, hey, thanks a lot. I really appreciated that, that, you know, like, uh, or I just like looking at now, I really appreciate you saying hello and just thank you without wanting or needing, needing anything. And of course, that was a really cool opportunity to bring you on. So this is a very exciting success story of how you went from not knowing data science at all to now being a data scientist. Mm -hmm. So tell us, like, where did this all start? How long ago did you decide to start learning data science and why? Yeah, so it's interesting because when I started learning, I wasn't, I didn't start learning data science. I just accidentally fell into data science. And yeah? it, I was on my last year in university. That was in 2018, about mm -hmm. March time. So probably two years ago. Yeah, exactly two years ago. And um, then I was doing a chemical engineering degree and I kind of started having a kind of a passion for programming or I should call it automation or using programming to doing things better. And mm -hmm. I played around with a bit of VBA when I was doing my, my placement year in PepsiCo. And then I was reading a few things about Python. That's the language you should go for. And no, no particular reason. Again, no data science. So... I bought a course of Udemy on uh, Python, and actually from one of your previous guests, um, Jose Portilla. And, oh, yeah. And I, I started getting on with it, and I thought it would take me about a month or something. And then within a week, I was almost done by it. I found it so fascinating and so, like, how exciting you, you could just manipulate things, data, and, and, and all of them. So then I... You know how Udemy is with their recommendations and things like that. They started recommending some more courses, and some of the courses were actually your courses. And so they recommended to me the A to Z machine learning course. And mm -hmm. they also 
recommended to me another course from Jose as well, which was on data analysis. So I took the data analysis course first because the machine mm-hmm. learning stuff sounded a bit uh, too uh, too uh, scary for me at that, at that time. And mm-hmm. throughout the course, I started getting the hang of, oh, okay, so you can use pandas with Python and manipulate data and you can access Excel spreadsheets and you no longer have Excel spreadsheets. You have this data frame structure where you can do whatever you want and all of these. Then I started going into the space of um, visualization and using like Matplotlib and Seaborn. So, and then I don't know how much detail you want me to go to, but what I decided then is I actually like this space. So I kind Mm -hmm. of took a step back, did a bit of research on what areas you need to learn. And I then started doing something that I think worked quite well. I started combining courses instead of just doing it. I use the method that you use in university, how you will probably have lots of courses simultaneously. It's not like you have one course and the next one. So what I did, I took your course, the A to Z machine learning, because I decided I wanted to learn machine learning. I took Mm -hmm. the A to Z machine learning course, and which was very practical, full of examples, amazing intuition um, videos by yourself. And then because I had that extra math knowledge from my background as engineering, I also wanted to dig a bit further. So in combination, and you might not know that, but in combination, your course maps very nicely with um, uh, Andrew and G's course from Coursera. Mm. What I mean Which is one? Uh, the, the, the machine learning course, the one, the very well-known machine learning mm. course. Uh, mm. Because what I mean they map very nicely is you guys start with linear regression, if I remember. He starts with linear regression. Then you switch to... So it's almost like you go how I did it, but obviously it's up to the listeners to do whatever they want. I will start with Andrew and G's, which is very technical, very mathematical, but maybe lacking that application. Then come Mm -hmm. to your course, listen to your intuition videos, kind of confirm that, yep, I understand it. And then bam, mm-hmm. go into the practical. And that kind of that kind of got the ball rolling. And within like a month, I covered all of your courses and Andrew and G's course. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I then continued on. I continued the same logic with deep learning because Andrew and G has also a deep learning course and mapped it to your deep learning A to Z. So it worked quite nicely. I, I didn't know if you knew that about your course, but your course no. is... Your course, I know, I, my understanding is you wanted to create a course that would be intuition-based, people will kind of get on hands-on, but it also mm-hmm. works for people who are also interested in the mathematics because I feel like your intuition videos are very nice to confirm your knowledge without needing to dig further and derive those equations again, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I found that very fascinating. <laughs> That's very cool. Sounds like... I need to, uh, <laughs> we need to partner up with Andrew and G and create a course together. That would be cool. Yeah, there is also some cool. nice books that I was reading in, by, uh, I think it was the hands-on machine learning. Um, uh, I can't find the title, exactly the title for it. But that, again, that book starts off with uh, the basics of machine learning, linear regression, all of these. And then it proceeds into TensorFlow and deep learning. So you can have that book on the side. While mm-hmm. if you don't understand something from the two courses, or if you want to learn learn a bit more, then you always have a book to reference. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and gotcha. that was quite a nice experience. Uh, 
and yeah i learned quite a lot from that <laughs> mm, interesting but tell me this like how do because those courses are massive for instance that machine learning a to z courses well, i don't think like 30 hours or 40 hours long right it's huge mm -hmm. so what i'm wondering is how do you keep up like the motivation and also mm, i don't know how how do you s supplement that aspect that you don't have a full-time data science job where you would apply these things so you're learning that's great but mm -hmm. then you you go to your work and you're an engineer you're doing something completely different so how do you keep that ball rolling how do you keep the momentum where do you get those hands-on applications to keep you excited to show you how you can actually apply this knowledge in the real world yeah that's a, that's an excellent question so um i have to I have to 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 make a disclaimer that I started learning before I actually started the job. So it, it obviously continued while I was working as an engineer, but my yep. main kind of uh, biggest learning was during summer holidays. But mm -hmm. to your point, so... So this is, sorry, before you even started your engineering job? Yeah, so I graduated in June. Then mm. around July it was about when I started doing all of these that I just described. And then they kind of, and I was starting a new job in September. So it kind of followed through all the way mm. until I got a, a job in data science. Um, gotcha. So the first thing I did, which um, you might be, I think you might be thinking that I'm copying, uh, copying Rico here, but <laughs> the I think it's your machine learning course that has, uh, one of your courses has Rico's um, podcast on one of the notes in Udemy. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. it's, but so I, I, I watched that, and actually, that's how I found out about the podcast. So I went back and rewatched the previous episodes. And he, how many episodes have you listened on the podcast? To? Oh, I'm up to date now. I'm, I'm all of them. Yeah, I think I haven't listened to the three, four, one, the one that just came. No way! Ago. That's amazing, my friend. That is crazy. That's yeah. like you've listened to three hundred and forty <laughs> episodes. Yeah, it's uh, no. The podcast is actually yeah. To your question, that's one way to keep going is a podcast because. Having something, especially the podcast, because it comes every week, it's almost like you've got seven days. Yeah, you're bound to lose motivations in some of them. But at least every seven days, you've got that motivation to hit you back on the podcast mm -hmm. that you hear people progressing. So you're like, oh, I can't stay where I am. I need to progress as well. <laughs> That's um, true, yeah. So the podcast was a big one. But yeah, coming back to uh, Rico's podcast, I heard about the data science go. Um so I was like, I, I just I just went on the website. I saw it. I was debating, should I go? Should I not? Is this for me? I'll be honest. It looked like it wasn't for me in the sense that, who am I? I'm, I'm, I'm a data scientist. I only just started learning a few things. I don't even know what machine learning means. But then mm -hmm. I decided, you know what? If Rico did it, <laughs> um, I... I decided to just book a ticket and just go to the U.S. Um, hmm. for uh, for two days and come to uh, the Data Science Go, which I, looking back now, it was probably the best choice I could have done. And it's not, I'm being honest here, it's not that because I came to the conference, I now have a job. It's not that, but it's almost, it's, it's the mentality, it's the, it's almost like that milestone. Okay, if in October I need to be at a, at the conference, then until October, I need to up my, upscale myself. So I, I, I don't have any time to lose. And then obviously after the podcast, with all the pumping that you leave the podcast, you <laughs> kind of uh, 
yeah, it's uh, so I think that was a big thing that kept me going. And it, what, what did what did what do they call it? Is it the what did Rico called it in the first date in the second date? A radical, <laughs> radical commitment. Yeah, something like that. Basically, putting something in the diary that you know. You, you just can't miss. You paid. You paid for the ticket. You paid for the airplane ticket. I mean, unless you unless you're somehow insanely rich and you don't care about <laughs> money, you might as well just go. Um, so that was one. But another, Yo, wait, let, let me yeah. let me clarify this. So Rico, what Rico did, and he's been uh, he's been on the podcast. Actually, he was on the podcast recently again. Yeah, when yeah. was that? I listened. Uh, he was again on three three five on episode three three five. Uh, but first time was a year before that, so uh, or maybe more than a year. But basically, what Rico did, he a crazy thing. Like he from Germany booked a ticket to come to Data Sands Go in the U.S. in San Diego. They think this was the first one in 2017, mm-hmm. and just for that, he just flew there, came to the event, and then flew back. And that was and that like completely changed his life. So you're saying you did the same thing, but in 2018, right? Yeah, and from the UK, not Germany. <laughs> from the UK. So did you? That is so cool. Did you get to meet Rico? I did. Well, no, not in person directly, but I did speak to him uh, uh, just after the. Yeah, too. Far, you can say yeah, I did. I, I spoke to him briefly after his talk, and I also yeah. asked a few questions. But uh, no, sadly, was I, it I, cool? Was it cool to see that person that inspired you to fly across the Atlantic to see him in person? Yeah, I was like. I think what was more inspiring is uh, is his talk during the the podcast is what sorry oh, yeah. the, 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 sorry during the conference is um, during the conference yeah it's it's the fact that he was there and um, it's it's almost like thinking through the timeline that a year ago he was just this student that flew here and then he was there standing with all that confidence and kind of spreading the word out there yeah it was it was very fascinating to to see him out there and, oh. uh, and kind of a congratulations to him for everything, anything he's doing. That's uh, awesome. Well, coming to the event uh, or events is like another way to supplement your learning, you know, listening to the podcast, coming to events and all those things together keep you going. It's, it's very inspiring to hear that you were able to create this um, kind of like ecosystem for yourself. You know, like the, I don't know how many people around you were studying data science as well, but you tapped into the Super Data Science community, the Data Science Go community, and by doing that, you kept yourself propelled and, and motivated to go forward. Is, is that about right? Is that like how you see it? Yeah, and I think, I think yeah, I've never heard of it this way, but yeah, putting it into an ecosystem, yeah, that's correct. And it's very important, I think, to, to, to keep having some sort of a short-term, medium, and long-term goals. You, you need to... You you need to know why you're learning what you're learning is you can't just learn for no reason. I mean, yeah, okay, you can learn for your benefit, and I get that, but you need to you need to be aiming for something. Oh, I want to learn this because I think this will help me reach that goal, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. that would be my advice to everyone to be ha- always have a goal, always know why you're doing something. Okay, so tell us about your goals. What were your short, medium? And long-term goals when you were learning data science. So the short term is, I just knew that any kind of job that I'll be doing, engineering or not engineering, I knew that I need to know programming. I 
I need, I can't just stay with Excel or whatever with Word and all of these. I need to be able to do things faster, do things better. I think that people knowing, knowing programming is something that everyone should pursue. I'm not saying everyone should be an expert, but having the ability to program, doing things faster, automating, it just, it just takes the boring aspect out of your job and makes everything more interesting. So that was kind of the short term goal. The medium and the long term kind of a, it's a bit of both together is it started off, oh, I just want to influence data science everywhere. But then after data science go, when I came back from the US, the first time I went to data science go, I said, yeah, okay, now we're shifting goals. And my medium slash long term, because I didn't know how long it will take, I decided I want to be a data scientist. I it was no longer a hobby for me. I'm spending a lot of time of my own time, afternoons, nights, doing that. I might as well doing it for a job. And I might as well be actually be practicing it properly and in a, in a place where my skills could be of maximum help. So that was kind of my goal. And from there, as soon as I kind of put that goal into the books, that's it. My learning became a lot more consistent, a lot more structured. I was looking on what is asked in the market and I was learning it. So that kind of get me, got me going. It was from there, I had no kind of drawback. So I wasn't going back. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. So short-term goal, learn programming because you're going to need it anyway. Uh, Mid-term goal was uh, to, you love it so much, you might as well get a job in it. Mm -hmm. And what was the long-term goal? Well, the long-term goal, and I don't know how to define it, but whatever I'm doing, I want to be influencing data science. I, I like doing data science. I like producing nice charts, models, and things like that. But what I particularly get hyped about is when I show people who don't know about data science, don't know about programming, what it can do for them. So I like the idea of going somewhere and kind of disrupting that organization or that team or whatever from the concept of data science. You know what? You no longer need those Excel spreadsheets. You can display them in Tableau. You can run a model that gives you predictions. You can save so much time. So that's my long-term goal. Whatever I will be doing, and I don't know how long, I want to be influencing data science. I want to be the person that will go in, and after I left, data science has like exploded. <laughs> I don't know if I'm making mm. it too generic, but that's kind of my long-term goal. Okay, so you want to be spreading data science yes. across yeah. different <laughs> companies. Gotcha, gotcha. Very exciting. That's uh shows a lot of passion. That goal. That's uh, something you know very admirable. Admirable to to have that kind of quality. Very cool. So tell us, take us a bit back. So you did all this learning. You went to Data Science Go. Um, how how and when did you start applying for data science jobs? So when I came back. Do you remember at the I mean I'm assuming you do remember at the end of the <laughs> data science go you you gave us this um which one? The, 2018 2018 uh, you gave us uh -huh. this this kind of talk that you said yeah, kind of yeah close yeah. your eyes and write something down or whatever anyway I, I remember I had this block this uh, small notebook that you were handing out in the conference so when I was on the plane 10 hours flight which Wait, wait, let, let's let's just so for context so uh, the uh, the exercise was like uh, we needed to get up we need to 
like make the sound of victory or something like that like feel really empowered and passionate and then imagine success what's you what you want to accomplish in the next 12 months and then the objective was to sit down and write down your top three goals right was it top three or top one um I mean, I wrote only one, but it might have been top three. No, top one. <laughs> it might be top three. Yeah, no, no, okay. So it was top one, top one action you're going to take when you get home. That was the thing. So you're on the plane. So let's get back to your story. You're on the plane. Yeah, so from that moment when you said imagine success, or I might sound cheesy, but it kind of, I felt it there that my success for me, at least within the next 12 months, was me standing somewhere, anywhere, and being a data scientist. Because I wasn't at that point, I wasn't applying, I was just a self-learner. So that was kind of locked in as a success. Then on the plane, I just started thinking of what can I do? Because I, I, I was clueless. I just knew I'm about to leave this very kind of prestigious engineering firm and start going into probably one of the most competitive fields, having an engineering mm -hmm. degree, which let's face it, is not... Is not the, I mean, you hear mathematics degree, physics degree, PhDs. It's a good degree, but it's not the best. Um, so my first plan was, okay, let's see how, how do people do it. So it was evident to me that the, th the way to get out there is to physically start shouting about yourself. So the first thing I decided to do on the plane was I just... Shout. Yeah, no, no, yeah, shout, sh sh the shout in the plane and see if anyone is hiring. Um, <laughs> No, it was um, just literally, what, what's the best way for me to kind of show what I'm doing? And as you can imagine, the best, the first thing that came to mind was LinkedIn. I'm not a, mm -hmm. I'm not a particularly social media person. I probably haven't changed my profile picture for five years. I, I just have them, nothing, nothing more. But I decided, let me get out of my comfort zone and start posting. And that was one thing I decided to do. And the other thing is, as I said before, was I need to start from somewhere. I can't just go nuts, start updating my CV. I need to get very specific because I don't have a lot of knowledge to kind of brag about. So I went back and did a bit of a, sorry, again, I'm still on the plane. I said, I will sit down, read what's out there in the market. That's another thing. I didn't know what's in the market. Uh, I Because coming from Data Science Go, all I would hear is, Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley. I'm like, yeah, I'm very far from Silicon Valley. So mm -hmm. I need to see what's in the UK market. That was the first thing. And more specifically, see what they're asking for. What skills are out there? And obviously, how do I compare with those? And from, from that, start developing the corresponding skills so I can at least put them down on the CV. So when that first scan goes through, because I was feeling like if I get to the interview, if I kind of meet their technical requirements. I feel that story and that passion, I will be able to get out there and hopefully it will be enough. Um, mm -hmm. And then the final thing I said, I need, because I think that came from uh, Ben Taylor's um, uh, talk, I need to get myself some applications. I can't just say, oh, I took Carol's course or I took that course or I need to get myself some toy applications, even, they, even if they seem toy examples and things that nobody cares about. They need to be out there so I can demonstrate that I don't just know how to follow a course. I actually know some applications. So that was the, the three main goals. Like projects, you mean? Yeah, like a, yeah. Like a portfolio of projects. Yeah, a portfolio or just find up. To be fair, what I took from Ben Taylor's uh, talk was 
is not just making a project. It's just, okay, you know data science. Find something that you're curious about and just have a play with it. And it was, and, and that's, that, that was my approach. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. That's very cool. Um, a, re- a recent one I heard, like an example of something like that, like a recent one I heard, I was listening to this one video just briefly of uh, the, I think the CEO of Kaggle, and they were describing how they had this one competition with some data sets there. And like it was about uh, people doodling, like drawing things, like drawing animals or whatever. And the, uh, the algorithm had to detect what animal, was it a lion, was it a, I don't know, like a hippo or an elephant, whatever else they're drawing. And so people would not only do that, but they would go an extra step and they would try to understand, depending on your cultural background, are you more likely to draw the animal clockwise or counterclockwise? <laughs> you know, how is that distributed by country? Crazy stuff, right? Yeah, like whatever, as you say, whatever you're passionate about, like use data science and come up with like some insights. Yeah, you hear... Um... I'm a big fan of Medium, and you hear some people just putting some random data set and some some random projects out there, and you're like, the only way you could have come up, the most recent one I've seen, and I was like, whoa, that's fascinating. Um, uh, are you familiar with um, the application Tinder? Yeah, of yeah, course. I'm not, I'm not that familiar. I haven't used it that much. But this guy had tremendous amount of data from his Tinder account, of his, his friend's Tinder account, so he has mm-hmm. this... His that, friend's Tinder account? Yeah. In quotation marks, yes, of yes. course. It <laughs> yeah, friend. it's not him. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it uh-huh. was amazing. He did this, um, if I remember correctly how the application works, he did this um, diagram of how he started with how many likes he did, how many super likes, how many then of them ended up being liked back, how many ended up in conversations, how many of them replied, no replied, and basically towards the end of the chain, how many actual successful dates and something like that. And then some crazy metrics that it's just, it just shows the application of data science. As long as you have wow. some data, you can just get some insane, insane uh, metrics <laughs> out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I bet you anything, if, if, that guy, if that guy was uh, publishing like a dashboard or something, Tinder would have picked it up and put it on a, on their application as as a, uh, as a dashboard when you want to see what's going on to automatically yeah. your data. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, he like if he wants a job as a data scientist at Tinder, he's got it. Yeah. Right. He just needs to send them this link, and they'll be like, "Oh my God, he loves our product. He loves data science. Yeah, like, what else can we want? Like, we're gonna hire him right now." Yeah, that's the thing. He he doesn't even need to send his CV. <laughs> exactly. It's interesting. I was actually. We are hiring for, um, for what are we hiring for? For like a product man, for a product coordinator at Super Data Science. And like I was reviewing these three applicants recently and three of them, and this story, like it's not about data science applications, of course, but it's, as it does, it's still relevant. So these three people, like a lot of people applied, a lot. Uh, but, um, well, we, we got, I wouldn't say like millions, but we got quite a few applications. And then the final round, uh, there's three people, I get these three CVs, uh, three, actually three profiles of people, like three emails about one about each person. And so by the time I go to the, th- sorry, the first one, the second one, third one, and then for the third one, I'm reviewing his profile and I noticed I'm reading his CV and I'm like, 
hold on, I read the CV for the second one, second person, for the third person, but I don't remember seeing the CV for the first person. And so I went back to look at the first person's, the email I got about that person, and I realized that there is no CV. There's just, um, I think there was like their LinkedIn and a like a website that they put together that describes them, like, you know, what what they're capable of, what kind of designs they've done, what products they've created and things like that. So it's kind of like a part, like you said, like a portfolio of projects. So I never even got a CV. That person doesn't even have a CV. And in the end, that turned out to be the best applicant and we ended up hiring them. You don't need a CV these days. You just need to demonstrate that you can do things. Yeah, and do, and do things differently. I think that's what I, I get out of that story is if you, mm-hmm. if you are kind of innovative enough to show exactly the same thing, but in a different way, that's what will stick out to the recruiter. Exactly, exactly. That's a really good point. So let's recap on, before we get too far away, mm-hmm. let's recap on your, I'm going to call this the, the triad of successful yes. <laughs> uh, interviews, right? So what was the first, second, and third items? So the first one was, you know, I forgot. The first one was to... The LinkedIn. Yeah, make yourself... Have a LinkedIn. If you want to generalize it more, make yourself visible. Like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you are doing what you're doing. Um, the second one was... I think was this the second one? Anyway, basically search the market. Make sure know what know what jobs are out there. What know what you want mm-hmm. to get, and ultimately mm-hmm. what they are asking for, so you can develop in those mm-hmm. areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the final one was, don't just limit you. Given that you are just a self learner, don't limit yourself to just courses. Uh, start mm-hmm. putting some applications together, and mm-hmm. let, let me just say that it's not just about Obviously, all we just talked about, yeah, it's beneficial for your application. But it's not just that. It also kind of, co- it's like a self-confirmation that you actually like this space. If, for me, if you can spend your Saturday, I don't know, looking through some data through Tinder, let's say, and instead of doing something else, like what? It doesn't have to be Tinder. It could yeah, be yeah. like Airbnb. It could be your Uber rides. It could be your, I don't know, like recent um like google searches whatever whatever like there's so many data driven like your netflix movies that you watched whatever comes to mind exactly yeah but even if you if you are willing to spend your nights your afternoons or whatever whenever is a free time for you to do that just for fun then it's almost like a self-confirmation yeah that's where you need to be so yeah okay gotcha gotcha great so uh, the trial was like LinkedIn, make yourself visible, uh, know what jobs are out there and what are the requirements. And number three, have a portfolio of projects to, that will talk for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Very cool. So um, so you made yourself visible. Like, So eventually, did you like find the jobs you want to apply for? Did they find you? And how did you go from there? Because I already had a job, I, I was a bit picky. I didn't want to just go crazy and start shipping CVs all over the place. So... I became very, very picky on my application. So yeah, I did find a few a few applications that look like so I wanted something that looked entry level and yeah. but also had some not just entry level, but also some development opportunity because I knew that if you were to put me in a data science spectrum, I need at least six months for me to understand how the industry works, to know Fill all those gaps that you develop as you go through the self-learning experience. So I did identify a few opportunities like that, mainly through LinkedIn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you applied for them? 
Yes, yeah. Okay, and so how many did you apply for? How many did you hear back from? So I think I applied to five. And I know from your listeners, it'll be like, just five? Just five? Yeah, but I spent so much time in those applications that it almost felt like five each. So you can take that as a 25. Mm. Um, And I think I heard back the one I got immediately rejected. But the Mm. other four, I progressed to the interview stage. Wow. Yeah, two of them, I did the interview, I think, no, let me start with the easiest one. Two of them, I reached all the way and got offered, which one I took. Mm -hmm. The other two, I think I reached both of them the interview. One, I got rejected at the interview. The other one, they were just not, I did the interview, no response. I already got the job here where I am at the moment. I couldn't be bothered. So I just, I don't even know, maybe they replied at some point, but yeah. For me, if someone tells me I'm going to come back at you in two weeks, okay, if it's three weeks, that's fine. But if you tell me two or three weeks and then they don't come back for like three months, it kind of puts me down. Like, Why would I want to work for an organization that doesn't even bother telling me, you know what, we can't come back to you at the moment. We need some more extensions. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just left it. Okay, very cool. So you applied for five. Four of them, you got interviews. That's an 80% success rate to getting interviews. And then two out of uh, the five, you got offers, meaning that's a 40% success rate getting job offers. That's crazy, man. That's congrats. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Really exciting. And like to anybody who says you only applied to five, you know, like I know people apply for hundreds of jobs. Mm -hmm. Well, the success ratio, there's like 0.0001. Um, this is, it's much better to have a high success ratio and know that you're applying for jobs that you really actually want yourself, that, you know, that you're passionate about. And yeah, like it's better to spend more time on one application that, and tailor it and really understand the company, understand their mission, understand how you can help and mm-hmm. have that very, mm, like laser specific conversation with them rather than just like sending this template email to hundreds of companies and hoping you know something like uh, what's it called in shooting like spray and pray like you shoot all these uh, shoot all all these applications you just hope and pray and wish that oh well hopefully somebody will reply and then i'll take that job and you'll end up in a job you don't love anyway exactly yeah it's um it pays off it's very tempting when you are either desperate for a job or when you want a job to just quickly update your CV so it looks generically okay and just spam it. Especially nowadays with with LinkedIn, when some of them are just easy apply, you just click a button, bam, you applied, and it could be your next job. So I think it's very tempting to do that, and I'm I'm guilty myself. I've done it in the past, not for data science, when I was applying for engineering jobs. But it's as you said, it's, it comes down to learning the company, understanding whether it's where you want to work for, and even if you do get to the interview, if you didn't spend that much time learning about the company, you'll very likely not be successful because you will come off as just a randomer who sent their CV just because of the salary figure or because they just know the company uh, because it's a well-known company. So it's, it, I think it all pays off. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. Okay, so cool. So um, we probably won't go too much into the interview process. That's uh, actually, yeah, let's talk a bit about it. Like, uh, was there a lot of technical questions on the interviews? Was it more behavioral? Anything you can share? Any tips you can share with people listening? Yeah, so 
I I had four, as I said, four interviews, and all of them were very different. So uh, mm-hmm. it goes to show how different were they. So I'll just talk very kind of generically how. So you will always get one thing that is very is very common. You think, um, oh, I need to know Python all this. Yeah, you need to know you are likely going to be asked to do some exercise. Um, in one of the interviews, I was asked to do an SQL exercise. In mm. another one, uh, and that was on the spot. In another interview, I was asked to, I was sent some data three or four days beforehand, and I was asked to do some analysis and just go back and present my analysis to them. And in another one, I was just like, either do this exercise or just bring something to talk through. So mm. whatever you're applying for, expect some sort of um, an application. One tip that I will say to that is, just because you know Python and you put down Python, don't, especially if they are asking for more than Python, let's say they are asking for R or they are asking for, I don't know, Java or whatever, don't, it, it depends with companies, but don't be surprised if you go sit down, you're amazing in Python, and they give you an introduction to R script to run through. It's just for them probably to test whether you'll be dealing okay with other languages. And if you want a real life scenario, I'm I'm known to know Python. All of my team are known to know Python, but because we have a, a historic model that was written in R, and now I'm working on that model, I now have to write in R. I've never touched R before, but now I have to learn it. And we have timelines, and that's just how life works. <laughs> we can't just change the model to Python because it's what we know. Um, so that that's one kind of thing that. I know it sounds terrifying, but just be prepared for it. Um, it happened to me, hope, uh, thankfully not with R, it happened with SQL. I knew a bit of SQL, but when I sat down, I was expecting for them to ask me some very technical Python questions. And they just were like, no, we just want you to connect to a database, query a few results, and do some group buys. And now that I know a lot of SQL, it's like, that's nothing. But back then, I was like, whoa, okay. So it's kind of a bit of a terrifying thing. But more importantly, outside of the technical things, um, do expect to get some soft skill questions specifically related to data science. And that can be in a direct questions such as how would you portray the results? Of, how would you sorry, uh, deliver the results of a model to the execs? Or how, what's the best way you will choose? If someone was going to give you an Excel spreadsheet to present something, what would be your best approach? Would it be a visual, a model, and which mod, which one would you use? Um, some other questions you might get. Someone might describe their problem. Someone might come and say, oh, uh, I have this type of assets, and they're all failing. What do I do? And that's where they will ask you to kind of formulate the problem as you and kind of decide on how to approach it. Or it could just be a presentation. That's what was one of my interviews. I were, I was asked to present my code and then I was given 10 minutes to to sh- to sorry I was given 10 minutes to present a, a presentation that was targeted to non-technical people so someone who doesn't know code someone who just wants to know what's going on so those skills are very important and that's what what people are looking because at the end of the day you can train anyone to become an expert in python but you need to have that ability to talk to stakeholders, pass on the message, formulate the problem, because those are the kind of important things, at least for me. 
Wow, fantastic. I'm really glad that companies are testing that now because mm-hmm. back in the day, that wasn't a, when I was interviewing, wasn't a big consideration, but I think more and more companies are realizing that these uh, soft skills are important in data science, at least as important as the technical, because if you can crunch the numbers and get the insights, but you can't communicate them, then what's the, good, what's the point in that? Yeah, and I think one thing that you will like, um, um, my manager says that a lot, but um, it's the 80-20 rule. I think you had mm-hmm. it in one of your um, podcasts as well. That's a very hard thing. What, what, what I mean by the 80-20 rule, for those who are not familiar, I mean, if you've got a piece of analysis, usually to reach to the first 80% of getting your message across, it would take you, let's say, a day or two days if it's a small type of analysis. To get that extra 20% and make it amazing, you probably need two or three weeks. So getting that ratio right is incredibly hard, incredibly hard. And if you want to do well in business or in the industry of data science, you probably need to become an expert in that 80. The golden rule is get that 80 minimum viable product as soon as you can, get it to the customer. And if they want that extra 20, which most of the times they don't, then put the time. Don't put the time beforehand because usually that 20 will be wrong unless you ask your customer beforehand. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's a very, very, very key principle. (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I learned exactly. it the, the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Like on the interview? No, no, no. When I started my job, I ah, okay. my on my first problem, it was a very relatively easy problem, but I wanted to impress everyone. I wanted to do amazing. And I found myself spending two weeks on a problem that should have taken me a day. And that's where I kind of introduced our rule. And since then, I kind of uh, go by it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fantastic. Wow. And speaking of like starting on first problems, can you share a bit about that? Like what, what was it like when you started your first job in data science? Was it like how you expected it to be or was it completely different? So the first time coming from self-learner, the first kind of month or second, it was just getting my head around that I write Python for, for a living. That was just mm-hmm. a very, very nice feeling because you're used to coming back from work. Oh, I have to do a bit of courses. It's almost like you're hiding away writing your Python and like you're feeling like you're doing something illegal. But now you're <laughs> illegal. You are allowed to write Python okay. and pay for it. That was an amazing feeling. And what was very good, and I really, really appreciate um, my manager for this, it's when we started, the first thing we did, we sat down and I encourage every manager or everyone who who is going to start coaching people to do that. We sat down and figured out, mainly through the based on my feedback from the interview, we sat down and discussed what are my weaknesses and what do I feel I need to develop at, mainly technical, as in like, oh, you need to develop your statistics, you need to develop your Python, your version control. So once you do that within that first week or something, then then you can tailor your projects around them. You can focus a bit more. You can ask for work that is more uh, kind of focused in those areas. So what I'm trying to say is when I started, I was a bit lost. But once we had that chat and I knew the areas that I had to develop, kind of that stress went away. And I was like, okay, here's what I need to know. by this. So it was almost like I was coming back to my uh, self-learning days. 
just for now, I was actually learning for a bigger purpose. I was learning to apply to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, fantastic. And probably like experiences in different companies are going to differ, but it's still mm-hmm. already great to hear that, you know, how yours was. So like, I think before the podcast, you mentioned that the first three months or so were all learning for you before you could actually start feeling yes. that you're fully working. Tell us a bit about that. Like, uh, was that a frustrating experience or was that fun that you were actually you now learning for work? Um, it was a bit of both. It was fun when it was working. It wasn't okay. fun when it was not. Um, I think what I was struggling is me not being from a mathematics or a physics, or let's stick to mathematics and statistics background. Sometimes I was getting frustrated with myself for getting the basics wrong. Like, I'm talking very basic, like confidence intervals and um, even means and medians and things like that. I, I was just getting frustrated with myself for for not getting. So that was a bit annoying. But again, because you've got it on the job, you do the mistake once, you do the mistake twice, then you learn and you kind of. So the first thing I did, for example, is I went back and freshened, freshened up my statistics, how you calculate confidence intervals, how you do hypothesis tests. So then I could kind of not make those mistakes again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of the soft skills, um, it's very hard going from staring at a laptop and hearing someone teaching you things and doing data science to going out in the real world. It was mm-hmm. very, I thought, I literally thought that, you. okay, I'm, I'm not so delusional. I didn't think that. But you want to think that you go into the industry you get a meeting invite being like, hey, I heard you're a data scientist. Could we have a catch up? You sit down with the customer or the stakeholder. And by stakeholder, I mean, sorry, that's what we call them. I mean, internal people. So I'm part of uh, the company. I'm not external at all. So someone will invite me, will sit down. And I thought they'd be like, yeah, I have this data. It looks amazing. It's ready for you to split it and fit it into a model. And I just want the predictions. Basically, what you get in a course where you get a nice data set. Maybe it's a bit dirty, but you need to clean it. But I didn't really get the the fact that to even reach the point to actually have data, it's like a marathon. <laughs> mm. So that, that was very frustrating in the beginning. Now it's very rewarding because, again, I'm coming back to the marathon, but if you are very good at kind of formulating the problem and making sure that you know what your customer wants, that marathon gets shortened and shortened and shortened. So you go from long and long discussions and confusions to, okay, I can hear what you're saying. I know what your problem is and I know how to solve it. Do you have this data set or are there any? So that art, I will call it, that art of knowing how to formulate a problem, how to go from a problem to data to solution, it's very frustrating in the beginning and it's, I mentioned it before the call. It's very hard to practice as a self-learner. Now, to be honest, probably very hard to practice, even if you come from like top universities and and um, data science courses. I think that's the on-the-job training. It's very hard to practice. Yeah, fantastic. No, I I completely agree. Lots of frustration there, but lots of reward after you kind of. I'm not saying I mastered it, but now I'm. I feel like I understand it a bit more. Yeah. And you learn, you learn to appreciate it as well. Exactly, yeah. Fantastic. Well, that is awesome. Thank you for such a great description. We've 
Uh, we're running out of time on the podcast, but like I, I, we could keep talking for ages about all this stuff. But if you've had such a really cool journey, Stratos. I'm very inspired to hear from you and very excited that you came on the show to share with uh, you know like colleagues and friends and uh, fellow data scientists. I think this is going to be, like you said at the start, it's going to be a push for others to keep going. Like <laughs> Once they hear your story, they'll be thinking to themselves, well, I can't stop now. I got to keep going. I got to move forward. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, before I let you go, please, could you share with us uh, where is the best place? Where are the best places for people to follow you and your career? Yeah. So I think the best way is probably LinkedIn because that's the only place that I stay relatively active. And I do encourage if someone has any questions on how to get started and where to go from where they are and or any suggestions, I'm I'm more than happy to help people. It kind of ties very nicely with my long-term goal I said before, where if I can influence data science, I'm more than happy to do it. So yeah, I'm happy for people to get in touch. I can answer any questions. And yeah, if or even if people are around from the UK, in the UK or they want to catch up in person, I'm more than happy. Um, so yeah. What city do you live in in the UK? Uh, in Warwick. I don't know if you know Warwick. 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 We have a Warwick in Australia as well. I it's probably a lot a lot bigger than Warwick. Warwick <laughs> is a town. It's not even a town, it's a village. No, gotcha. <laughs> so it's but yeah, um it's close to Birmingham, if you know where Birmingham is. Mm. Yeah. No, I don't, but I'm sure people listen. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> to but, say, yeah. If someone is from the UK, I'm sure they will know Warwick. Um yeah, yeah. 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 Um Stratos, I, I got um I got to make a comment for you. Like I'm looking at your LinkedIn and looks like last time you posted was four and five months ago. And then before that, it was a year ago. It looks yeah. like somebody got a job in data science and stopped <laughs> posting. No, that's actually something I wanted to talk about. It's, I think, you know how I mentioned that I, I wanted to get out of my comfort zone and do mm-hmm. kind of, it's fine to get out of your comfort zone, but Unless it's something that you actually enjoy yourself, then the reason that I stopped posting is not because I thought I got a job. It's because I found it very stressful in the way that I, I didn't feel like I was getting much of it. I very much prefer to have someone come to me and we talk and I help them personally rather than me trying to post. And it's just not me. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. It's just very. It's just not, not myself. It feels like I'm portraying a person that it's not me. If that makes sense. I do post when I find something interesting. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, I have a piece of advice for you then, if you don't mind. Yeah. Do you share a bit of advice? Can I give you some as well? Yeah, of course. Um, coming and talking uh, is amazing. That's, that's a fantastic thing. Uh, and at the same time, no, being not yourself is terrible. Right? You want to be yourself. You want to be comfortable. Not necessarily comfortable, but you want to feel like you're doing something that you're enjoying or you can enjoy with time. Exactly. However, like people are not going to come and talk with you or won't be able to find you or even know that they can talk to you unless you somehow get on their radar. And mm-hmm. so my advice will be totally can totally understand if posting is not your thing. Um, find what is your thing. There's so much medium out there online. You can post, you can write articles, you can comment, you can 
um, reply on Quora, you know, answering questions. That's not posting updates, that's answering questions. Like Ben Taylor was the number one AI um, influencer on Quora because he answered a lot of questions. Uh, you can record videos for YouTube. You can record audios and share them on SoundCloud. You can become a mentor on one of these mentorship platforms. Basically, find something. You can not even posting. Like for instance, you could do uh, projects. I'm sure you not only do projects for work, which are sensitive, but probably you still do projects for your own portfolio, or maybe some here and there you'll do a data science project, or you can desensitize things, and you know you can post those, or you can. Uh, publish them on on uh, GitHub or on uh, Kaggle or on uh, Tableau Public. So basically, you can just even without writing anything, you can publish things. Like I have a um, a profile on Tableau Public, which I haven't updated in a long time. I used it while I was creating the courses in 2015. I looked at it; it's got like thousands of followers because I shared useful dashboards with people that I I didn't even have to write anything. People look at them; they can click on them; they can download them, and people like them. Mm -hmm. So my point is, I completely appreciate that maybe a certain type of medium is not yours and you don't feel yourself, but find what is yours and do that. Because if you want to have those amazing conversations and you know, meet your mentors and meet people who you can influence and spread the word about data science, they have to be able to find you somehow. It's really hard. Like this podcast is going to help for sure, but don't stop. Find other ways that you can help. Maybe start a podcast of your own. You never know. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And actually... On that, oh, it's something that I've been thinking through, and I want and and you are right. And I think what I want to get out there is, yeah, one of the things the things you said is doing procedure. I do do quite a lot of things outside of work, like more projects, and is that that's kind of my thing. I'm the kind of person which, if I see a data set online, I'm like, I'm curious what that looks like in a graph. I'll just plot it. Um, so. I do quite a lot, and I think I need to think through what's the best way. And I'm happy for you, the listeners, to to suggest if they have any any way, any what would be the best for them. But if there is any way for me to kind of get that um, going, because I think that's my 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 strength is I can help people and advise on people how can they get that step and go and kind of get a job. I can probably not advise on what's your best model to use. I'm no long, I'm not that technical. But I can get you from, I don't know if I like data science, to I'm passionate about it. So that's the kind of area I want to focus on, my community, if you like. Uh, that's the kind of community I want to target. But in what way and what medium, I'm still, I'm still searching for that. And that's some very useful advice. And I will have a think of that. And hopefully I'll get some nice suggestions. But also I will, I'll try and think through what's, what's the best way for me to get that message out. Fantastic. Well, we'll leave it at that. Stratos, mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with our yeah, listeners. Thank you so much. All thank right. you so much. And yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much for the invite again. So there you have it, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. For me, the most exciting and inspiring part was the dedication that Stratos has. It takes a lot of courage and a lot of commitment to buy a ticket and fly all the way from the UK to Los Angeles just for three days to attend the event that is going to change your career. But as you can see, Stratos didn't make a mistake. Stratos actually made the right choice and that helped him 
follow in the path of the career of Rico Meinl. How exciting is that? And I wish the same to you. To wrap up this episode, as usual, you can get the show notes for our conversation at superdayscience.com slash 351. That's superdayscience.com slash 351. There you can get the transcript for this episode, any materials that we mentioned, and of course, the URL to Stratos's uh, LinkedIn and places to connect with him. Highly recommend connecting and staying in touch. He will surely be happy to answer any questions you might have about interviews, about creating a data science ecosystem, about courses, about conferences, about podcasts. Get in touch. Stratos sounds like an amazing guy who is going to be able to help you whatever your questions are. And on that note, thank you so much for being here today. I look forward to seeing you back here next time in our next amazing episode. And until then, happy analyzing.